You're listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Sam Williamson. I help connect businesses with their tech talent. Today, I'm your host. Today, I am joined by Amir, Marius, Tua, and Imad to discuss the topic of small tech teams versus large tech teams. Before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Amir, I believe we're coming to you first. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Uh, my name is Amir. I'm a senior backend developer at uh, an agency here in uh, Copenhagen. Um, I've been a developer for about eight years or so, uh, with uh, with no real background in uh, in IT. Sort of self-taught from the beginning, and uh, yeah, just worked myself up uh, throughout the years, getting better and better. Fantastic. Thank you. Imad, we'll come to you next. Yes. Hey, everyone. My name is Emad. I'm Iranian, living in Copenhagen for the past four or five years. Uh, I'm doing mobile development, mainly on the iOS. And I'm a lead iOS engineer in the tax ministry of Denmark. And I've been working in an iOS developer the past 10 years in different companies, uh, small or large startups or government and different teams being a lead and and a developer. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Marius? Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Marius. Um, I, uh, I'm a front-end developer. Um, I'm Romanian. I'm living in Copenhagen for about 10 years. Uh, I'm a software engineer by training. And uh, in the last couple of years, I've been working on uh, in agencies. Uh, on very big projects, uh, different position right now. Um, I'm leading the front end for uh, one of the biggest projects. Uh, my impact, my my agency impact uh, has. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's a new project, and uh, I really love the job. Exciting stuff. Thank you. And last but not least, Tua. Yeah. Hello, all. Nice to be here. Uh, my name is Tua. I'm the co-founder of JTOX, a small uh, company that I started together with my brother Jacob like 11 years ago. Uh, we develop applications for web, mobile and tablets and uh, have worked with both small and big tech teams uh, throughout the years. I have a master's degree from uh, the IT University of Copenhagen in e-business. Uh, I do a mix of project management, UI, UX design, React and Laravel development and uh, managing my company. Uh, I'm currently on maternity leave with my newborn daughter, who was born the 16th of November for that night. Mm-hmm. And I live here in Copenhagen with my girlfriend and my nine-year-old son, uh, who's uh, very proud of becoming a big brother. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Excellent. Well, now that we've established who each of you are, uh, let's move on to the topic in focus. You all have a question or a statement around small tech teams versus large tech teams. And as usual, we'll work around the room pose your question to each other, hear your reasons behind it, and then give you all an opportunity to add your value, both to the panel, but also to the listeners. Let's start with Marius. Marius, you've put to the panel, when does a small team become a big team? And also, how do you deal with various personalities within that development team? As normal, I'm gonna come to you first to give us a bit of context, and then we'll work our way around the room to hear some fantastic answers, I'm sure. 
Oh, there you go. So um, I know it's a, it's a, it's not a clear cut answer to this one. It's a pretty hard to say when a small team becomes a big team. But there's some uh, some um, telltales, right? Sometimes uh, the stand up goes for for too long, or you feel like the code review it's never ending, um, or uh, different um, um, uh, different 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 uh, team team mates don't really correct. Uh, so it's more like an open question. It's more like uh, to thought provoking, and um, yeah. Fantastic, Imad. I believe we're coming to you on this first one. What have you got to say? Yeah, in my opinion, uh, when the small team gonna be a large team or become a large team, uh, I believe when when they 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 have more responsibility or it it. There is no time to finish some focus thing like a feature or something within a sprint or a week or whatever uh, limitation you have. And th those limitations you get either too much businesses or uh, too much like uh, refactoring or whatever, that thing's gonna add up and then you need to hire more developers or, or get get something around it, change the base of working, or find out how we can deal with those. And that's the place you can just call yourself a larger team. It's not the small team anymore to just contact each other and then fix the problem by Slack messages or whatever. Yeah, that's my input. Fantastic. And have you got anything to add on how do you deal with the various personalities? Yeah, and various personality. I think uh, it depends because there are different personality either as a as a leader or or a programmer or a designer. Like it depends which point of view you're looking for. If if you're looking for a like as a, from the leader perspective, how we can deal with the various personality, it's it's the people management. You should learn more. But if, if you're looking at the developer side, I believe like from developer, you don't need to deal with different personalities. You are sort of in your own world and then uh, someone needs to contact you in different ways and then uh, they need to know how to deal with you. And then you live with yourself if you're looking very alone or, or very individual. But if you're looking as a team-wise, a good team has like different personality. One is like taking care of the team, the other one taking care of the code quality, the other one taking care of the like fun thing that they might have in their like uh, working hours or weekend or whatever. Yeah, it's 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 difficult in in my experience to handle all the personalities. It's more of a thing that you need to find a good match between different personalities. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. And, and who wants to go next? Amir, are you happy to pick up from there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll give my sort of opinion on this. And I mean, it also depends on how uh, how you see like a big team, whether a big team is just like smaller teams sort of added together to make a big team or whether it is just like one team that is working on one project. Because if it's just one team on one project, then 
it could be like daily stand-ups that are taking too long or you have a crazy git flow or a crazy like deployment process um and i guess these all like attribute to, to the, the actual tech team being too big and the stand-ups the git flows the deployment process not being scoped to particular aspects of the project whether product or project whether it be uh, like a app or whether it's a, a web app or whether it's the back-end apis and stuff so i think it all all depends on whether a team is lots of small teams together or a big team uh, in just one one like unit so um it it kind of goes from like whether we have these spotify kind of models which aren't really spotify models because no one really knows how to use them and they're not really a real thing or whether it's yeah whether it's just this one massive uh, one massive team and um i think it was uh, jeff sutherland the uh, scrum inventor he he says that like a, a team shouldn't be any more than seven so I mean, if you want a hard number on, on what what is a big team or when does a small team become a big team, I guess it's any more than seven developers. Yeah, sounds good. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, like with the various personalities, uh, there's there's always like one or two developers who are like absolute workhorses, and mm. there's always one or two developers who are who seem to think that the rules of a workplace don't apply to them with regards to how they like treat people or how they answer people. And and those are the developers that are hardest to communicate with because I guess the whole thing just comes down to communication because it doesn't really matter about the personalities at the end of the day. It's kind of how how you communicate with each other and then also the tech lead or the project manager or the PO. Um, there is a way to deal with it. And obviously you don't want to deal with poisonous developers who don't add anything to the team because uh, you don't want them in the team. You don't want them on the project. You don't really want them in the company. It's they're, they're the worst kind of people to have because they they literally drag everyone else down um and their communication is is just the main the main theme around around this uh, around how to deal with uh, personalities and again with how to deal with a big team it just comes down to communication as well but i think uh it, it's it is personality because uh if you have uh, like some sort of uh, introvert personality uh, you as a leader need to know how to de deal with those people then it's not just the communication because of course communication is, is one part and one main part but if if you communicate uh, or treat people in the same way no matter what what are their personality, it's it's my way of communication. Then it's gonna be hard on you, especially if you're gonna be a leader of like at least ten people. Then then you can't deal with everyone in the same way. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, they, you're obviously gonna have different uh, different uh, like spectrums of how people are going to be acting in the, and, and their personalities as well. And yeah, you're right that you couldn't just go create one communication channel that was to everyone, but there still needs to be a general communication yes, like channel definitely. set out, like you have stand-ups or something. So that everyone everyone needs to speak in the stand-ups, no matter how shy or introvert yeah. you may be, you still need to say what you're doing and what you've been working on if you've got any problems. Otherwise, if you don't have that, then you have issues and nobody knows what's happening. And And if you are still like one of these miserable developers uh who is rude to everyone uh no matter if it's a friday and you've had a beer then 
then they still also have to be part of this general communication channel. And then within the team, when you're actually working and you're not at stand up, that's when you may as a leader go, right, okay, if we need to like somehow steer around how we uh, communicate between these two developers or these two developers or how like iOS devs communicate with Android devs and stuff like that. It's so that's when you would get like a team lead involved yeah. or a project manager or a PO again, just so yeah, on those I, individual basis. I really like the thing that you mentioned about like standards. We should have some standards, either it come from uh, agile or whatever, and then we follow those no matter what's our the personality. What do you think too? Well, uh, I'm very much in line with uh, Emir um, about uh, the size of the team. Uh, I think that typically big teams use agile development like Scrum, uh, which has hit the fan like 10 years ago. Uh, but I also think that the trend is uh, reverting, uh, actually. Mm. Uh, in my experience, more and more uh, software development companies are, are not using Scrum anymore. Um, in my experience, daily standards have the risk of giving each uh, team member the feeling of being left out, uh, ignored, or rushed because they don't have time to to be heard. Um, and and in my opinion, this risk increased uh, together with the team size. Uh, and as you mentioned, Amir, about team size, uh, there was this uh, <clears throat> Howard researcher, Hackman, who concluded in his studies that four to six members is the best team size for most tasks, and that no team should have more than 10 members. Uh, like also like you stated, Amir. Um, also because he, he finds that performance performance problems and interpersonal frictions increase exponentially as team size increases. Um, I've been in war rooms with big team size that became ineffective and inefficient, and you know frustrations grew, and uh, the, the constant load on the on each individual member was just too overwhelming. So, so I would always recommend to divide the team members into smaller entities to ensure effective daily stand-up. Uh, sure, of course, this requires project managers that work across the different teams and coordinate with each other. Um, and uh, <laughs> you all know the, the uh, Jira uh, hell uh, of Pivotal Tracker, uh, which is the, you know, the tool to use. But, but, but in my experience, developers, they hate Jira because they don't really want to spend time in tracking tools, uh, which is why I would leave that to, to uh, the project managers. But that requires, of course, technical insight and, and capable project managers. I really like the thing that you mentioned about like uh, coordination, because coordination is the key. When, when you get to the larger team, then you can't just easily coordinate. You, you need to have plan to coordinate more to get more efficiency out of it otherwise it's it's hard and then the, the tool for coordination is definitely task management or some sort of system that use to to see the, the progress otherwise it's it's really hard to go to the stand up and then listen to everything i've heard one of my uh, friends that in their company they had the deadline there were a big team like 200 people and they they invited for a stand-up of like 50 people, uh, including to just give an update on the deadline that they had no clue what they were doing in that stand-up, which was at 9 a.m. in, in the Danish uh, culture. It's, it's too soon. And then uh, it, it, it was hell of, the, hell of the thing. But what do you think, Marius, about the, the whole question that you asked? I think I asked on behalf of Sam, but... 
uh, I think they're all very uh, uh, points of views and um, uh, obviously it's a big problem. Um, we will uh, tackle it uh, differently. I suppose sometimes you have limited options uh, at your disposal. Sometimes you really have to deal with uh, with a big project. Um, so uh, there's not always an option to to to. Um, but um, also about uh, personalities, I would would love to hear a little bit uh, of an angle over the maybe more like a professional personality like coding style how do you accommodate multiple coding style in, in 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 a repository that you want it to be in a way um consistent but you also want to not be that uh, that uh, person with the linter uh you don't want to stifle the progression right um it's very interesting uh, of course uh, uh to observe uh, personalities of people at work from different angles. I think that's also one I was interested to, to hear of. Yeah, I would like to comment on that because I think we should educate each other within the team to be be good at commenting our code mm. because it gives, you know, other developers a sound uh, uh, feeling about what are you doing in your code. And I think that you could actually make personality tests <laughs> uh, with regards to how you code your your, your programs, um, but also you have to 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 be aware of that that most developers they they are very ambitious and they believe in their work, you know, and they want to be heard and respected for their skill set. Uh, but they should also know their limitations. Um, sometimes I meet developers who who have an opinion about everything from user interface design and application programming interfaces. Uh, to server environment or performance, uh, but we should try to encourage developers to take responsibility within their own field of work uh, and not jump to to hastily con conclusions um, and delegate product responsibilities among the right peers. Right. Mm. Yeah, I think it also like with regards to like coding personalities. I think it it comes down to setting setting a standard, whether it is on the project level or on a company level. It's, it's it's something that's difficult to do and something that's difficult for everyone to adhere to and difficult to enforce. And if you are one developer or one team lead enforcing it in PRs and stuff, it gets very tiring. But it's also something you have to like really push for to make sure that these coding standards are in place and everyone is on board and everyone is trying their best to adhere to it. So that in the PRs, you don't get lazy and say, right, I really can't be bothered to look through these like 20 file changes or whatever and, and find like 30 mistakes or something because this person isn't following the code standards that we all adhere to. It's something that uh, you just have to implement like as, as soon as possible and as fast as possible and have everyone like like follow it. To a T. Otherwise, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have these these uh, difficulties. So you will always come across people who are against some of the standards and stuff like that. But you just need to it just needs to be a hard line. I've I've been in I've been in places where there have been no coding standards and and the code just looks different in every different file. And I've been in places where it's super hard line. Like this will not go into the into the code base if you don't change it. Uh, and I think. There is like a mixture between that that you need, um, depending on uh, on on how how quickly the the code needs to get out, or uh, whether it's a bug fix or something. But 
yeah, we should adhere to those or you should try and like push for them as, as, as hard as possible. Yeah. Excellent, guys. Well, Marius, thank you very much for that fantastic question. Um, we'll move on to the next one now, which I do believe is from Imad. Um, and he wants to ask everyone, uh, what are the main challenges regarding communication in a small or large team? Um, and I'm going to come over to him to give us a bit of context as normal. Yes, uh, so I think we discussed about that communication uh, challenges, uh, and I, I believe we all understood what we're uh, facing with, but there are different questions as well in, in, in the small versus large teams, like how hard or easy is decision-making in a, in a different sort of teams, and uh, or or how how hard it is if you want to scale either your project or team if you are a small or large teams, and the last part is more of a, a leadership question that uh, how do you deal with the hands-on versus managing a situation if you get more of high rank because. Sometimes it's nice to go with the hands-on if you are a large uh, leader of technical people, but maybe it's too much uh, because you want to make more space for your developer to do those. And then uh, they they might think it's like they are just uh, like my manager is just pushing uh, forward to, to do his job, uh, uh, to do my job or, or do it in his way or her way. It, like... Yeah, there are three different areas that uh, I would like to hear your, your input, guys. Cool. Uh, yeah, so um, I would say that it kind of starts off with just, it's just kind of like an easy answer, just make communication effective with regards to like the, the challenges. Um, but this would be like uh, stand-ups is your, like your first go-to. Um, like if you have 20 people in a stand-up, I'm not, not sure all 20 people need to be there. So maybe you, sh you should make it a smaller number and then have like little silos of people uh, who who tell one person in each silo what's happening, what problems they're facing, and then they can bring it up to the stand-up. And maybe that's how you can make the, the stand-up effective, or you could have smaller stand-ups within each silo uh, if it is a large team. Um, but if it's a smaller team, then communication in general should be like fairly easy because the larger a team gets uh, or the, the smaller a team is sorry the, the less social pressure on, uh, on oh no yeah uh, the larger a team gets the less social pressure so uh, you feel less responsible because uh, you don't feel as though you have to you can just hide away you don't have to give your opinion but you don't have to fight uh, for something that you believe is right uh, with with regards to the project so yeah I think it's 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 kind of you just gotta make it communication as a as a general as a general thing going out there like stand up sufficient uh, communication informative and it shouldn't be a chore for people uh, people should be there because they want to tell you what's going on or whether they got problems um, and decision making is uh, is a, is kind of a difficult one because it shouldn't be like on the tech lead but it should be like a group uh, like decision an informative one based on the problems of the client or the, the problems within the project or the tech debt or something. So everyone has a bit of information. Everyone knows a bit more about certain bits, certain aspects of the project. And so if everyone, again, communicates effectively with each other, 
then decisions can be made effectively. And that's, that's important for like the future of a project and uh, the longevity of a project. And, and scalability can depend on the, on the code base. I mean, uh, scaling a team is difficult, uh, especially when you have to bring new developers on. Um, and if the code base is old or is a bit like spaghetti-like, then it's harder to scale with developers because then you have to keep new developers and pass on knowledge. And then if anyone with certain knowledge leaves, then, then you need to make sure that that's all passed on. So uh, the, the larger a team, the, the more difficult it gets. It's going to be it's going to be a difficult thing scaling a development team on one particular project. And uh, I don't really have much of an answer for like the leadership of it because it should it should be should be like a collaborative sort of team effort on on a project with with someone making the final decisions because someone always always needs to make the final decision because developers tend to have a lot of opinions yeah i believe that most teams uh, use slack emails or some kind of notification system from uh, their tracking tools but so this like these these messages are often get lost in these endless threads channels and you miss important information. Of course, smaller teams have the advantage of less flooded uh, communication channels with fewer members and more efficient communication, and they seem to have a higher readiness for adjustment. Um, the large team they need spot on communications to fill out the noise and unnecessary information. Also, as you pointed them here, for uh, this again it requires the product managers. Uh, who can juggle with a lot of information and team members who can know where to look, preferably in one place only. And with regards to the decision making, I think that it seems more versatile and precise in small teams. Uh, the readiness for adjustment, again, also seems stronger in smaller teams. Uh, these large teams, the communication between product peers can be challenging and result in this overload and, and, and lead to deep motivation. So, and the scalability is so complex to me. I think it's uh, it's a desert. Um, but first off, it, it's it's a question for me about the product specification to get the product off initially with a sound strategy that kind of imposes the development with scalability at its core. Um, and I don't think that uh, the team size matters when it comes to scalability, but the structure of the team matters. Um, so I often I, I get this that the customer uh, comes uh, with a promise of lots of features in a short time frame. And then when the deadline is closed, someone in power decides to allocate more teams in the project in order to meet the deadline. And then it starts to get messy. <laughs> um, so again, if you can divide the large teams into smaller entities like feature teams, uh, I think scalability will have a chance to, to succeed. Um, and about this hands-on versus managing, uh, I think the question goes hand in hand with Mary's discussion about avoiding gatekeepers in large teams. So like uh, empowering the teams to work better uh, or else whilst they, they will probably fail. I met so many tech leads who, who would like to get hands on on every aspect of a project. Uh, but I've yet to see the idea from a project quality point of view. So hands off, uh, let the teams work. Uh, Excellent. And, and Marius, have you got anything to add to Oh Yeah, of course. Uh, excellent point to, to um, have to say, learn the hard way, the hands-on uh, approach is really not working very well. Um, a more uh, um, 
more relaxed uh, over uh, how uh, people do this kind of work, uh, which is a highly specialized job. Uh, it's, it's, it's preferred here, uh, uh, right? Um, also, uh, have a little comment over the um, uh, communication uh, challenges. I would say in a large team, uh, a large team tends to, to silo in, in these uh, future groups. They, they kind of like do their thing, the designers, the developers. Um, and uh, of course, even one of the, this kind of small groups can become large enough uh, where it can be a challenge. What we experienced uh, lately and it seems to be successful so far, we actually moved physically together uh, in the agency, a group by the project we were doing, and actually turned out to be very, very successful. It turns out uh, working uh, together in the office is not uh, <laughs> obsolete. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so, what I got from you guys, thanks. Uh, it was really good for me, at least, to getting some answer. Uh, and I can tell you, uh, regarding communication, I totally agree with all of you. And, and mainly for me, is, is the structure uh, it is a good answer to almost all the questions except the last one. Because having a structure would help us to have better communication a better way of scaling the project or teams. It depends which aspect that we're looking. And then uh, regarding decision-making, I would say it's been really a challenge for me because when you put a team to decide on things, uh, sometimes get lost because when you say, like, all of you should decide something, no one decides something. And uh, at the end, there should be a person gather some info and then decide on something otherwise uh, decision is there is no mean for that decision because everyone ha has their own opinion and then uh, there is no such a good output of it but in the in, it it works in a smaller team in a larger team it's hard especially larger teams like two three different teams need to decide on some a bigger thing without having irresponsible from each team to 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 say the last word, and that's going to be hard. And uh, regarding hands-on versus management, it's I believe hands-on, it's not working that much. But what I see in different companies, uh, maybe it works not in a way that uh, you do their job, you do such an example or or guideline or shit library or something that would help uh, developers to to use or being guided or some sort of see the, the different level than their level of, of development and because sometimes it's really hard to as a tech leader or, or team lead to say you should do it that way uh, of course Having linter or code formatter or whatever would help, but when it goes to the, to the technology, if, if you're looking on the newest framework or whatever thing that they might not have enough knowledge or they don't want to learn more, how would you do the management thing? You should somehow show it to them. That will help, especially you or your customer or your users. And I'm still in the middle. I don't know <laughs> which one goes in a good direction. Yeah, thanks. 
Excellent, Iman. Thank you for that question there. Moving next on to Amir's question. Um, and I know um, Tua referenced it briefly there. Um, so he wants to know, how do you avoid gatekeeping in larger teams? And how do you manage the support in these bigger teams? And Amir, I'm going to come to you because I know this is uh, one that, that you wanted definitely to, to pose to everyone after your experience. Yeah, so uh, in, uh, in, in a past job, um, we had a, a format where we would have like an engineering team and we would have a development team. And the engineering team would be uh, responsible for DevOps and, uh, and creating any future libraries. And then the development team would then be the ones that use the libraries and then were told to code in a certain way so that the, the engineering team would also implement like development standards and stuff. And, and it was a project that was built on a pretty shaky foundation. It was actually really bad. And then it was split out into lots of different services. And then each uh, service was assigned a team. And then you would have these like small development teams that would consist of a couple of back-end developers, one engineer, a couple of front-end developers, and a PO. And what in practice, that all sounds great. And it actually sounds like a perfect uh, solution to the large versus small dev teams but in reality what ended up happening was that the engineering team would gatekeep all of the work they wouldn't care for any sort of uh, uh, opinion from the developments developers who are actually using those uh, libraries that they were creating and um, they would like silo everything for themselves, anything complicated, anything for the future of the business for themselves and the developers would then just be sat there and not not able to do anything not able to think it would really affect any sort of innovation within the company and the future of like the services um and that happened in a large team because it was a large team even though it was siloed into smaller teams it was still a large development team um and, and what ended up happening because of that it was there was like no support if you asked a question where would you go would you go to the place that was gatekeeping all of the work or would you go to another development team? Um, and these these are the issues that I sort of also personally had within this company that it was difficult to actually do anything to be motivated because uh, you had this like idea that they were better than you because they were engineers and you were just a, a developer. And you don't want to you don't want to learn. You don't want to ask any questions because you feel afraid to ask a stupid question, which is you know there were, there should be no stupid questions in this this case, right? And uh, and it just you get this kind of like how could you not know sort of uh, aspect of when you when you did ask someone a question, so um that's the sort of uh, the context around these questions and I would like love to to hear what you think uh, the answer is to this or whether there's a way to like approach things approach these engineers approach the development teams and all this stuff. Yeah, I'll start. Uh, I think uh, it's a it's a common problem that you're raising here, Amir. Um, uh, we should all jump off the pedestal, uh, and I think it's a question about culture, the company culture, uh, mm -hmm. bringing the silos together, working towards a common goal. Um, Mike Graham always told me that uh, there are no stupid questions, only stupid answers. <laughs> so. Um, but first of all, I think that that the feedback is a is a gift to anyone anyone involved in in a team. Uh, we should all strive to get better at what we're doing. Uh, but more importantly, we should reward team members who are successful or effective in a new role or 
or a challenge they took on. Uh, but as you're mentioning, Amir, it's difficult if you have gatekeepers like that in different silos. So what do you do about that? Um, but I think definitely it's a, it's a common culture that it's a difficult challenge, but, but uh, it should be possible. Um, and then micromanagement is just a no-go. It does, it does no good, maybe except boosting the ego of the gatekeeper. <laughs> Uh, so I think every team member should feel empowered with trust in, with, in what they do, right? Definitely, I agree with you. Marius, have you got anything to add to this one? Yeah, I can, uh, I can go for a comment. Uh, not sure if it was intent in this question, but I would like to put an angle of uh, information gatekeeping that's very common in, um, or knowledge gatekeeping that's very common uh, in, in uh, tech teams, especially uh, sometimes it's uh, by design, sometimes it's because of the culture, sometimes it just happened that just that one guy that knows to do the thing. And um, uh, I've seen common in, in agencies, especially where there's new uh, new projects, uh, people tend to specialize. Uh, and that's a shame. Sometimes uh, I uh, found uh, like uh, some success, there was, uh, I saw some success around having this um, white label boilerplate accelerator kind of like repositories where they will uh, somehow gather and then maybe a team or a person that should be in charge with only preventing. So it's more like an active measure towards uh, knowledge gatekeeping in that way. Um, so we'll avoid um, <clears throat> this issue. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's uh, something I want to share. Yeah, I I, I agree with all of you guys, uh, and I can add something on top, which is mostly about like uh, developers, especially tend to focus in a in a wrong uh, place, which is like all these things that you're explaining was coming out of having standards wanting to own something like the ownership and then a mixture of these two might lead us in a way that okay we see ourselves in a in a higher level or different levels and then we don't allow other people to to talk or or act or or do something and they just we are seeing our client in a in a in a situation that they are just the users of our system. They are not here next to us. They are like the user of the systems. And that's the wrong assumption, I would say. Hmm. And it all goes to the next level of communication. Like if there were a clear or a standards or in a right way or healthy way communication, it would never happen like that because you could easily ask and they could easily uh, delegate like, okay, you do something add it to the system and we accept it and then we adopt it to other clients that we have in our other part of the companies and it would help like the scenario is fine and uh, that the one that you described with the whole system and then how this should act and then on the tour is fine and then there is the next level of all the systems and it's called like feedback and then feedback loop fix the, the whole circulation of the the life of that system and then uh, that feedback loop in this system gonna be like 
good communication, uh, take the ownership, but not like close everything and then have a standard way of, of doing it. And, and if you look at the open source com community, they are doing a similar thing, but why they're, they're successful? Because there are some standards you ask for a feature, you implement the pull request, you do the work, you like these are like example of like how the closed system would work and how the open system would work. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's the the way that you're looking to through those should be uh, clear on the on the system architecture that they were designing this this culture in their companies. Yeah, I mean, uh, I totally agree with the with the, the open source uh, aspect of it. But also, I would just play devil's advocate on this because in several open source projects, there are definite gatekeepers. You may have one or two developers on the project, and uh, no one else, even if you create a PR or an issue, it's just closed immediately because they don't care. This is their project; they don't they don't care what you think of it or whether it should implement this new feature. So, I mean. There, there is that aspect to it, but, uh, yeah. but otherwise, I totally agree with it. Yeah, it's definitely like a way that uh, you describe it in your private company as well. Like, uh, people tend to do those, which is kind of fine in their point of view, but in general, it, it wouldn't help the system. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm just gonna just put it out there again because uh, none of you really, really mentioned mentioned it, but. Uh, I believe maybe accountability might be uh, a solution to to gatekeeping because if someone is actually held accountable for for a product or um, uh, like held accountable for the product to like the stakeholders or the or the management within the the company or within the team or whatever, uh, then that could reduce uh, gatekeeping. So in my uh, instance we had gatekeeping within like a whole department so we had two departments in tech and then we had product but the problem was that it was product who worked for tech and not tech that worked for product so the accountability was was nowhere no one was accountable so it created gatekeeping and then no one did anything about the gatekeeping because the whole structure was wrong which is what you've mentioned but would accountability like be one of the ways forward to avoid too much gatekeeping because gatekeeping in general is not a bad thing. It can be quite a good thing. It can lead to standards. It can lead to uh, to creating something uh, like a solid foundation within uh, a project or a, a company. What do you What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think accountability is a is a good thing, but it could also take overhand because do you get fired if <laughs> you're accountable for? A piece of code that that doesn't work, or you're gatekeeping it for all the wrong reasons. So uh, I think it's a good it's a good note you're making, Emil. Anybody else? We finished on that one. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Amir, thank you for that question, mate, uh, and I appreciate the follow up as well. Um, last question, too. We're going to come to you. Um, he's posed to the panel and to the listeners. How do you measure effectiveness and quality when working with smaller tech teams and larger tech teams? And how do you handle readiness to change if the client or the, the team need to adjust the project scope in terms of budget or time frame, um, contractual terms and conditions? There's, there's quite a few bits there. So to it, give us a bit of context and we'll, uh, we'll find out what these guys have got to say. 
Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, it's something that has been on my mind for quite some time. Um, as we as developers take pride in what we do, and we get thrilled when we ship a new product and we make new features and we jump off the chairs. Um, in my company, we use Pivotal Tracker to track our work, and we can calculate the effectiveness of each iteration. And that's kind of okay, but it does seem too simple to just measure how many tasks are completed in each iteration. Uh, and then we compare them to the previous iteration. Uh, and sometimes the story takes longer than expected to get done, uh, but that doesn't tell anything about the quality of the outcome. Uh, so I'm keen on hearing uh, your experience within um, how do you track or measure the effectiveness and quality of the work that you do. Marius, we'll come to you first with this one. Yeah, that's a good one uh, too, of course. Um, uh, uh, it's not uh, just uh, how long you work, it's, uh, it's, it's many other metrics involved here. Uh, I would say it's, it's a longer process the way um, I'm thinking about this. Uh, uh, it um, starts with how you estimate actually the work. Uh, I think it's very important to, to, to have a fair kind of like team, team skill-based kind of estimation for the work you're about to do. And then, of course, the, you can involve all the tooling. We all know the Jira burn down rate. Um, I suppose uh, a small team will be a little bit more accurate when it comes to that. Um, a, big, a big team uh, will have to have some sort of overhead. Uh, they need to account for, um, yeah. I uh, also think, um, of course, a smaller team can be a bit more nimble when it comes to readiness. Uh, uh, even though if your estimate and the, the way you measure work, it's very tight and no room for, uh, for uh, actually uh, experimenting or uh, getting ready for the next step. Fun, um, unintended, but uh, we had a case we just upgraded our repository to Next13 for the whole front-enders out there. And, uh, we actually needed a little bit of overhead to experiment because pretty big change. Um, this helped with, with readiness to change, uh, but also uh, uh, affects the velocity of a project. It slows you down a little bit. Uh, it's, it's a matter of optimizing this to uh, juggling around. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Marius. And, and in general, it's it's, it is hard to measure effectiveness uh, or, or quality, but in my opinion, in the large teams or companies, uh, it's usually output. You can't disagree that the output from point of like top management is the effectiveness or the quality of the whole team. But in my opinion, it's also happiness of the team, like how happy they are when they are working and and if they they like that their job in their in the way that they love to continue working with it that's that's the effectiveness because if they are not happy in the large team then you have to replace them like time to time they 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 uh, resign they move on and then you have to onboard off board and th those steps are really hard in the large teams and and handover process also in the in the small teams uh what I personally had experienced was like uh, 
small team uh, are more effective, but not because they can do things faster. Because the processes and the way that they were working, ways of working are more clear for them. There is no boilerplate of like having uh, five different people from different teams gets your request approved, somehow get it merged and then release it after two months, you know, and, and that the process and output, it's, it's more tangible. And that's why you get better uh, uh, quality and, and have more, more result, like the clear result in a way. And uh, last but not least is like when you're talking about the quality is like you are also looking at your bug reports or crash reports or or a debug processes. Like if, if your process of like debugging or, or fixing an issue is fast, it means your code quality or your or the way that you are doing your stuff is, is clean enough uh, to 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 have better quality even though you have like tons of bugs but you can fix it so fast which even your your user doesn't give you bad feedback there are lots of like apps website that has lots of bugs but when they are like fixing those in a really fast pace then you don't feel it it's not working you you don't complain and that's that's in my opinion is effectiveness and quality yeah and uh, I, I totally agree with the with the motivation point because if you have a motivated workforce developers then you're also going to have like a quality that is also fairly standard across like all of your features and um like my opinion on this on this is like a, that accountability as well like i said before in my in my question was this also should be like a theme with uh how you can measure effectiveness and quality because if uh if, if, if no one's accountable for the product you're shipping then then it's not easy to measure whether that what they shipped was effective what they shipped was of a set quality or a certain quality and and things such as like communication, reliability, predictability of the work uh, can also be uh, attributed to like how effective uh, a team is. Um, and and you can like measuring it, like, like the guy said, it's, it's kind of difficult, but you can measure it in the, the classic sense with like using like scrum methods and velocity, uh, scrum points uh, and, and, and all those uh, to actually like measure whether the output is there whether it is an effective output or whether the development team is working and getting better as time goes on or whether the project is getting um, harder like nine uh, like 10 percent of when you when you've done 90 percent of the project the last 10 percent is actually like 90 percent of the work yeah that's yeah, usually totally. it, it's yeah. usually how it goes yeah. right so uh but it, like no matter what the project is that seems to be always the thing you get to the end and then all of a sudden you you're you're ramping that up back up because that 10 percent is going to be the, the the next like few months the worst few months of your <laughs> life so uh but but again even though the, la the last 10 percent is going to be crazy crazy long or like hard it doesn't mean that that the 90 percent was not effective or the 90 percent was of uh, quality that isn't up to standard it's it's more like like what is the end goal is it the actual product is it the workforce uh, whether they're happy or not, or whether they're actually like innovating on the product. 
So it's kind of difficult to measure like the actual tangible aspect of what is uh, an effective team. Um, and then with regards to like the readiness to change, <laughs> like no developer likes too much change, especially within a, within a project, um, but like clients, stakeholders, they change their mind. Like everyone knows that your, your scope will never be the same as when you started. It will always be at the other end of the field because that's just how it works. That's life. So uh, every developer should be ready for change. That's just a simple answer because if they're not, then they're, they're not in the right place because this, this is it. This is, this, is what we, uh, this is what we get paid to do and things change all the time. There's nothing but, we can but, do about that. But there is also a hell hole of like uh, some developers uh, get to the place that they say, okay, if, if we know our client would change everything every couple of weeks or something, that they introduce generic and then they do everything in generic and then it blew other like uh, other side of uh, like your code off that's okay then you bring new uh, take that in a way that even no one could understand and then when you leave and everything is gone like then you have to just delete the whole code and then do it again because the new that the customer asked for new change and then the new developer has no clue about that too much generic that they that you made how to deal with that and it's it's also such a bad strategy to go with yeah and uh i totally agree but that, again like in a perfect world there wouldn't be any tech debt and but in like every project i'm sure like all the big companies all the big tech companies they all have tech debt somewhere they definitely do like it, it would yeah. be impossible for them not to have it and yeah it can like too many changes definitely introduces more tech debt over over the period of a project. But as long as you like approach it in like, okay, so this is the scope for this particular thing, and this is the scope for this particular thing, and you approach it in like a uh, a way that is smart, and you continuously communicating throughout the team as well as to, to the stakeholder on what uh, what changes and what these changes could impact, and whether we should go ahead with these changes or maybe wait to implement these changes later on, but have an idea that, okay, we may want these features, or we may not want these features in the end, then then you can reduce the amount of tech debt, but also be ready for change. So as long as you are communicating that you are going to change, then you're ready for it in a way that isn't surprising. And you haven't just changed the project from a website to an app, because that's the scope, that's the new scope, right? <laughs> not that that would ever happen, but yeah, you get the idea. Uh, thanks, guys. I really love uh, your input. Uh, I think it's uh, spot on, uh, especially the the overhead is key with these complex development assignments and that output can be seen as effectiveness uh, from the stakeholders' uh, point of view. So uh, believe in the force. May the force be with you, even with the tech debt. <laughs> Fantastic, guys. Well, I think we'll leave it there for today. Um, I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. I really have. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I really want to take this opportunity to thank Amir, Marius, Tua and Imad for providing not only their questions, um, but also their fantastic insights into the topic. Um, and yeah, thank you all for listening. Thank these guys. Um, and if you would like to get involved with one of our upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me on either LinkedIn or via email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.